Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp, and welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. Today, I am going to do a prequel to an interview I've already done with Dr. Uh, Artemis Anopoulos. So today is just going to be me talking about her, her work, because I don't want to waste the time while I'm talking to that person about what they did to uh, to you all. It sort of breaks up the flow. Anyway, so let me just jump right to it. How do I know this person? What do I care to know this person? Why did I seek out an interview with this person? Um, she is singular in all of the people that I have ever interviewed and uh, read about that she has been since back in the 70s. And if you remember from past podcasts, what happened in the 70s, that was the nutritional guidelines were developed on basically... Uh, fraudulent studies. We've talked about those two fraudulent studies that happened both in Australia, so it's called the Sydney Diet Heart Study, and then the other one in Minnesota called the Minnesota Coronary Experiment. And they both both had the same objective, which was to show that if you drop the saturated fat in one's diet, you will then drop their blood level cholesterol, which is measured obviously by a blood test, your lipid panel, as they call it today. And so both of those were true. Uh, the objective there was, whether it was out of innocence or a commercial enterprise, the second part of that was that you dropped the cholesterol and then you dropped the rates of heart disease, which was a big deal in the 50s, right? Eisenhower and so on and so forth. Um, and it still is a big deal. It's the number two killer quote unquote, in certainly the United States and Western cultures. So these two studies basically happened more or less identical years. And they came out with the inclusion is, yep, you got to get rid of the saturated fats to drop your cholesterol. And that was, that stipulation of cause and effect was true. You drop the saturated fats, cholesterol do go down. And, but you drop the cholesterol, it didn't affect the heart, heart disease. And it left it as neutral at that point. And the problem was both those studies didn't look at all their data. They just looked at, at a portion of, and I'll say half to less than half is what they used, whether they cherry picked the data or didn't understand the other data. Um, they just ignored a good portion of that. So they based these dietary guidelines, these two studies, they came in under the McGovern, and he basically, the Minnesota one in particular, 
And he said, well, all right, here we go. We're going to base our nutritional guidelines. Um, we'll get to that title in a second, by the way, because it wasn't called that uh, at the time. Nutritional objectives is what they wanted and nutritional goals for their title. And he based it on that. So that came and went. Those that, that the guidelines were set in stone, which basically became the authority for pretty much all Western cultures, Canada, Australia, European cultures, and even the colonies of, the, of those cultures at the time. So it was very influential. And um, in my words, my unkind words would be that it was fraudulent. So it wasn't until 2013 and 2016 through um, a person's initiative who was a doctor as Dr. Chris, Christopher Ramsden. And he was a um, doctor of physical medicine rehabilitation, which is an MD, of physiatry it's called. And uh, he went back to the sons and daughters of or people he thought would have access to that original data of both of those studies. And he recomputed all that and came up with very different conclusions. Why do I say this in a prequel to Dr. Sinopoulos's interview? Well, because this is the world that existed from the late 70s all the way up until five years ago. That's, we'll call it 50 years. It's 40 some odd years, right? And it was so influential that it was saturated fats are bad, bad, bad. It'll, you need to get your cholesterol down, down, down. And in order to get the rates of heart disease down, down, down. And all that was wrong. Saturated fats, in my view, and a number of other people are really good for you. Not that you need to slake it, you know, drink it separately, but to fear it in animal fats is wrong. It's when you combine it with high carb processed food diets that becomes very problematic. But that's another story about processed foods and how they came into our end processed oils. And that's the processed oils or the oils used in processed foods were the soy oils, they were the corn oils, they were even before that was the um, safflower oil and sunflower oils. And they were very high in what is called linoleic acid, otherwise known as LA, which is used in abbreviations LA. So linoleic acid basically gets converted in the body to arachidonic acid. So you have a diet because everybody's now cooking with vegetable oils from the 70s all the way up until, as I say, five or six years ago. Many people still are, by the way, in various parts of the world. And so they're getting a big daily dose of omega-6, linoleic acid, also in the processed foods. If you have your Doritos, you have your cereals, you have your pancake mixes, you have all these things are very high in omega-6. That is a plant-based source for this particular fat. So from the soy, the corn, uh, later the uh, GMO canola, and uh, as I already mentioned. And so consequently, our whole diet this ratio of omega-6 and omega-3 is getting very tilted to the point that in the United States, the running averages, and depending on what you read, is between 15 times to 20 times more omega-6 than there are omega-3 in any particular person's blood. And that's measured from your red blood cell uh, percentage of. So that's huge considering 
it used to be a one-to-one -one ratio if you went back 100 years ago, went back before processed foods became industrialized, which is pretty much people agree upon that really it was post-World War II. Suddenly, the United States machinery went from military to a industrial food complex. And so that's where this got started. I'm oversimplifying it, but that's pretty much true for the most part. So here we have Dr. Sinopoulos, who from the 70s is like saying, oh, this is actually, this is, this is craziness. These studies are crazy. They're not, they're not correct. Um, nobody could point to why they weren't correct because uh, they were incomplete. And so they were based on incomplete portions of their data. They just omitted other data, whether they did it because they didn't understand it or did it because um, it conflicted with the conclusion they wanted these studies to take. You make that own decisions. You made that, you draw your own decision on that. So anyway, but she was a voice in the seventies that stood up to McGovern and saying, you know, this is not right. This is, you know, you're asking for these gold that he wanted from this study. We'll say from the Minnesota studies to say, yep, Let's let's get this down, and we're now going to be maybe he believed this uh, a healthy nation because we're going to do exactly what this study said. He would have killed us all if that became that hundred um, percent. She went in to argue, said you can't have objectives like that. You know, in the very least, call it guidelines. And so she argued for it to become to go from uh, nutritional objectives, goals that had to be met. You know, there are kind of mandates, if you will to guidelines, you know, be rather loose and be understanding of them. And that was a better battle uh, to work on. But her whole focus has been on omega-3 versus omega-6, primarily omega-3 um, ancestrally over time, you know, in the use of essential fatty acids is the bigger word. And so let me give a few variables. She has, this is the part that I don't like because I don't always get it wrong. She's uh, edited over 50 books and journals on uh, the genetic uh, aspects of essential fatty acids, omega-3 with focus on omega-3. She's um, produced over 365 scientific papers, probably close to 370 now. And by the way, on these two particular issues, this is a, a person who's been around for basically 70 years, been sort of the holding the candle, if you will, about, um, you know, the omega-6-3 ratio is really important and don't forget it. And by the way, there's a lot of pressure from processed food companies and universities such as Harvard and others are saying, oh, it's it's outdated. You don't need to look at the ratio anymore. That's really not a, a healthy thing. Look at this thing called the omega-3 uh, uh, index. And omega-3 index is basically, which is valuable, but it doesn't have to be either or. It's You look at both. And they're both pieces of information, but do not give up on the 6-3 ratio. It is very telling as I've gone through various YouTubes uh, to show you my data on real people. I mean, this is real. This isn't a abstract conversation. It's a real thing. You can measure it. And when you are way out of line, like the 15 to 20 to 1 omega-6 to omega-3, you have a problem. But it's a problem you can address. Big deal. So um, anyways, her focus has been on the genetic uh, aspects of essential fatty acids that she's gotten into nutrigenomics, which is the 
evolution of personalized medicine because we are all very similar, like like 99% similar, but we're different enough in these mutations, these polymorphisms and so on. And this is an area that is certainly I've been exploring since uh, 2003, but it is really important. And it's kind of a level of sophistication that uh, many people, certainly most doctors don't want to go there because it's another level of them having to understand and implement and to address. Certainly the processed food industry is not going to go to that level. But this is what her whole focus has been on through books and journals. And um, and let me give you another level. One of her books that has been influential worldwide but less so in the United States, came out in 1995, 98, and 99. And they are the, um, we have the healing diet in 95, we have the omega plan in 98, and we have the omega diet in 99. And this happened to be the time I was just coming out of medical school. And so these were profoundly influential. So she put finally, you know, it's omega-3 and the essential fatty acids are really important. And I remember when I was just finishing up my clinic shifts, the clinic supervisors were always combing through your recommendations on the people and patients that you were treating to see how you included, and if you did include essential fatty acids and both addressing it and what their diet was. So she created at this time, how you can eat to come back to a one-to-one ratio of omega-6 and omega-3. Big, big deal. Um, I was obviously in the bubble of her influence, so I think it was a really big deal. I stepping outside of that, I don't know. You know, it's it's hard. It's even hard today to get this kind of information out there. But this is what she has been grinding away through her whole career to really focus on these particular the importance of essential fatty acids and their genetic variations. And she will go into. We're gonna we talked for about an hour and a half. So we're going to split that up over a couple podcasts about uh, some of these things. And what I want you to go away with is that it is very important and it is certainly something within your personal influence to get the labs done and to know how you can address them, which is obviously through dietary changes and yes, through supplements now today. Um but so some of the concepts you're going to really need to know, we're going to talk about omega-3, which is a thing called EPA and DHA. Those are acronyms for longer words. Don't need to know those, but call it fish oil, if you will, because that's the um, highest source, uh, the best source. And we, our human species has evolved, pretty agreed, um, or along shorelines and, and uh, eating fish, not just because of the need for essential fatty acids, but also the B vitamins and so on. Um, also omega-9, so three was EPA, DHA, um, six was linolenic acid, which converts to arachidonic acid. I'm going to want you to know these two words. Uh, they are both very inflammatory, and these are measurable. So when you get that omega-6-3 uh, blood work done, you're going to see your arachidonic acid. You're going to see the ratio, of course. So now what refer to as omega-9 is um, call it olive oil. It's oleic acid. So oleic acid, and if you can get canola oil that is non-GMO and is pre- seed pressed, 
period, you also can get it through canola oil, but it has to be that kind. Otherwise, you're bringing in a lot of GMO and other uh, processed aspects of it that make that oil, in my view, rather dangerous. So it has to be organic and seed pressed. And what you have are basically two oils that are very high in oleic acid. So you think of olive oil, you think of the Mediterranean diet, which has its own following, not really tested a lot, by the way. Um, but just think of those two oils. Outside of that, um, in terms of oils that you use around the house, that you can cook with, that um, I tend to favor things like coconut oil and and even some MCT oil. But I will say that that is not Dr. Sinopolis's perspective, and that's fine. We're not here to say everybody thinks like me or I think like everybody else. She has 50 years of experience. I will defer to what her opinions are. They are based on far deeper um, work than I have ever done. I'm seeing patients and so on. So that is her background, both by professional publication. It's monumental. Prolific would be an underestimation of that. Um, she's very knowledgeable, but I want you to know it's about the essential fatty acids the 6-3 ratio, which he's still very much a proponent for, and the genetic variations, call them SNPs, single nuclear polymorphisms, on a personal basis, and therefore big proponent of personal nutrition. Um, as I started to say before, in 2016, she came up with, um, she's a tough person to do an interview with, for, um, she came up with um, her most, it was the most cited paper in all of for the for all of 2017 so she published it in in 2016 and again so for 2017 it was the most um downloaded from pubmed is the most downloaded paper ever for the year so she got a reward for that so that was global so globally she was the most downloaded um scientific paper for the entire year and just last year, so I want to give you the name of that one. Um, the name of that was, trying to keep her papers in order here. Um, so the name of that one was, oh, here we go. Um, increase in omega, omega-6, 3 fatty acid ratio increases the risk for obesity. And then... Um, I used her paper and others when I talked about, and I did a podcast and certainly on YouTube, I did a series called uh, Big Fat Lies, which was about um, the fact that we are so omega-6 heavy, given that ratio, and given the fact that it's linoleic acid that converts the uh, arachidonic acid, uh, has been perhaps the most dominant influence, cause, of obesity in the United States and worldwide, just this ratio of that. So seldom does anything get to be reduced down to one thing. That never doesn't exist. So you can't say that about this either, but what you can say is that this was such a huge change from 100 years ago, people had a one-to-one -one ratio to now 15 to 20 to one ratio is huge. And what would we expect? To be very pro-inflammatory. And uh, this, I believe, is if not causative, right up there with being nearly causative. So now in the year that just passed, 2021, by a couple of weeks ago, she had the most downloaded paper in a 90-day period uh, ever. 
90-day period. So that's what PubMed does when, or the publication uh, does, it measures in 90 days and says it's the most downloaded paper ever. Um, the year just ended, so I can't speak that I know this, but in, inevitably this will now be proven to be the most downloaded scientific paper globally in 2021. Uh, that's profound. Um, considering that uh, people retire at the age of 65 in certain careers, and here she is at, um, we won't give her age, but uh, older, and she is at the top of her top of her career, top of her form. And in fact, the World Health Organization is now using her words, that her research and moving away from the linolytic acid and the vegetable oils, all the story I've just told you about, that they're moving over to focus on her research and her work is being included in what they call the UNESCO Encyclopedia, which is what the World Health Organization uses. So there you go. Um, it's so fundamental that you know this information and it's being challenged uh, by institutes that are very much um, in support of processed foods. And so... Uh, I will be having a couple of YouTubes coming up on this because so you can visually see uh, the bogus misrepresentations a lot of these institutes are making for obvious reasons. So this is a person who never uh, caved and never and had to go up against a lot of um, opposition politically and even the scientific. But uh, the last thing I want to show you is a paper that she had just sent me was back from 1979 um, that she put together, it says, what can be done now? And this was basically her argument to the McGovern uh, committee that was coming out with these uh, objectives. Right? They wanted to have the objectives. She says, no, you can't have objectives. But she goes through and talks about you know, medical interest in nutrition, which was uh, kind of still being born. It wasn't that obvious. Uh, public interest in nutrition, current state of knowledge. And so this was her her standing up for this whole aspect of not just essential fatty acids, but saying these nutritional, they ended up being called guidelines, these nutritional guidelines based on the on those two studies from Sydney and uh, Minnesota, um, something was not right and they're not being interpreted, but nobody had all the other data. So it was like saying something's not right and you had to leave it at that. It didn't line up with other people's research and other studies that were out there but they became ironclad uh, rules to run nutrition recommendations by for the next 50 years until uh, Dr. Uh, Christopher Ramston sort of unearthed all the data and reran all that and said, no, these are wrong conclusions, uh, which is basically what Dr. Sinopoulos has been saying all along. So I hope you got a, enough of a prequel to understand how how influential she is. I mean, if you go into PubMed and go, even if it's just essential fatty acids, you will find most of her papers are going to be what you'll be referred to. If you go on to um, Google, same thing. You'll find that she is the she is the foundational person that has done all the research from which we get all this other information. So when you hear things like, oh, the omega-6-3 ratio, it's because of somebody else doing some sort of lecture series. She is the one who determined it and really has been um, supporting that the whole way in the last 50 years. She gets 100% of the credit. I don't even think she's looking for credit. Um, she's just been amazing in my view.
Okay, so till next time, you'll be listening to part one and part two of a conversation um, with Dr. Artemis Sinopoulos. Till then, bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Goldkamikin for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough and many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode, uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O. P-A-T-H.com, Dr. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you cho- choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of a, just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions. And uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.